What if the speed of light was 30 miles an hour? What if Earth had two suns? Which cereal mascot would win in a what fight? What if everyone lived underground? What if, it rained what if money grew what on if trees? What if pigs could fly? I don't know if that would actually happen. It's much easier to store a unicycle than to store a horse. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show where we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner, and I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Do you guys have your fancy tiaras and your long flowing dresses at the ready? Because today we are going to be talking about Disney princesses. Specifically, which Disney princess would have the best crime spree? Are the dresses and tiaras a special thing for you for this episode? Because that's kind of just my normal podcasting attire. Oh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm entirely in a banana suit each time. Oh, okay, cool. All right, that's, that makes me feel better. Which one's better? I think Ben's is uh, maybe, maybe after listening to this episode, we'll find out. <laughs> may or may not come up. Here's a preview of our would you rather question. <laughs> but no, we're take, we, we are, we are <laughs> as ridiculous as our podcast efforts are. This, this premise is also ridiculous. We're taking Disney princesses and we've take each picked a Disney princess and the ideal crime spree for them to go on. Yeah, this this idea stemmed from us wanting to do a fight with Disney princesses, and Ben was like, "I don't like that idea." It, it's weird. I wasn't happy with it. It okay. Yeah, anyway. it is a little weird. It is a little. It's weird. a little weird. Yeah. Besides, like, <laughs> besides like Mulan being like a fighter, like it's kind of weird to just imagine Cinderella just like coming up and like decking somebody. <laughs> well, and also like technically now we could do like Mulan, Rhea, and Elsa. Yeah, there are fighter princesses out there. It could work, but it feels like a cop-out to not put a traditional Disney princess in there, and that feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, we're just going to go through uh, and describe what we think their best crime spree was going to be, and then we're going to chat about it afterwards to see if we can determine between us and come to a an agreement. What's a quorum? Is that is that the thing? Come to a quorum on which one is best? I don't think I've ever heard that word. I don't think it means that. I thought a quorum was the number of people you needed for a decision-making body's decisions to be valid. Yeah, there's a word. There's a fancy word for unanimous decision. You could say accord. Are you looking for accord? We could we could come to an accord. <laughs> could be that. How about an quorum? An quorum. <laughs> Split the difference between the two. Um, well, maybe by the time we get there, I'll think of the word. Ben, why don't you get us started? So I can start googling <laughs> phrases. Yeah. So so we decided to. As we do our answers, sort of go in just chronological order because that's, you know, makes enough sense. Not of every single Disney princess, but no, of the ones no, no, that we no, 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 Of the ones that we have chosen. Thank you. Yes, that's an important uh, clarification. But I am going almost to the start to, in fact, the second official Disney princess. I am going with Cinderella. If you aren't familiar with Cinderella, quick rundown, just in case it's possible, I guess. She was the daughter of a widowed aristocrat who remarried to a, I mean, a real bitch, let's be honest here. <laughs> and her father eventually dies, and the the stepmother and her two stepdaughters basically just hate Cinderella and effectively turn her into their maid. Eventually, there's going to be a ball where the prince is going to pick his... Is it specifically to prince pick his wife? I guess, yeah. I don't know. I've only seen the movie like once a very long time ago. Yeah, I think it was specifically, I don't know if it was if it was necessarily that was the purpose, but that was the intent of like the king when he set out the ball. And the stepmother, of course, wanting to get more money, decides to take her daughters there and they leave Cinderella behind, being very, very mean to her in the process. 
At which point, her fairy godmother shows up, Cinderella's that is, and gives her a fancy gown and fancy class shoes and turns some animals around into, like, footmen for her and a pumpkin into a carriage. And she goes to the ball and presses the prince, of course, and then realizes that, oh, right, an important part, all of this magic wears off at midnight. Midnight strikes. She runs away. She leaves a shoe behind, which for some reason doesn't go away despite everything else going away. I never really got that part. That was always a little weird to me that the shoe stays around despite everything else. There's there's a bit of suspension of disbelief yeah. right in the middle of this I plot mean, here. There's, there's a couple little things that you can maybe poke holes in. And the prince, is who is now obsessed with her, decides to track her down by putting this shoe on people's feet until she find, he finds where it fits. And eventually, yes, of course, he finds her. They get happily, happily ever her, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So what does Cinderella actually do? What is her, like, crime ability here? She has one of her own that does come up in the movie that I don't actually know why it's there, and I couldn't figure out a good reason for it aside from that's what Disney princesses do. She can talk to animals, and they, like, understand her, and she becomes friends with them because, like, they fix a dress for her at one point and help her with chores and things. But I don't really know why she can do that, and I kind of ignored it because it's not actually that helpful in terms of crime most of the time. More relevantly, and, you know, she has a fairy godmother who is magic. And specifically, she has a fairy godmother who is magic and who uses that magic to turn her into someone who can fit in amongst the upper class. And she fits in so well, in fact, that her own stepmother and stepsisters, who are also at the ball, cannot recognize her. And this is a great, great setup for a con. (laughs) Specifically... Are you just going to reread the plot of Cinderella right here? <laughs> no, no, no. Better than that. Are you familiar with Anna Sorokin and or Anna Delvey of the Netflix show Inventing Anna? No. Slash real no. life events. Well, you guys aren't? Oh, man. All right. Well, you should watch the show on Netflix, uh, Inventing Anna. It's very good. I did not realize it was based on real events. Yes, it is based 100% on real events. The show is very dramatized and re, you know, jiggered, but. Like, there's a whole bit in the beginning where Anna's talking to animals that are helping her get dressed. It's really yeah, ridiculous. It's, very, it's really weird. I don't know why it's there. But no, so so Anna Sorokin, she was born in 1991 in a middle or a working class town south of Moscow. Her family relocated to Germany in 2007 when she was 16, and she became obsessed with Vogue and fashion blogs and things like that. And it really fit in at school, and she kind of just, you know, once she was, once she was graduated, she just kind of wanted to get out. So... She went to art school, dropped out of there. Um, She interned at a PR company in Berlin for a little bit. Um, And eventually she relocated to Paris and started an internship at a French fashion magazine called Purple. And during this time, that's when she starts going by the name Anna Delvey, um, which she claimed was based on her mother's maiden name. But her family said, no, it's, it's not. She just came up with it. And eventually in 2013, she went to New York City and went to Fashion Week. And she basically started this long complicated con where she wanted to create her own private members club and art foundation called the Anna Delvey foundation. And she just basically through raw charisma would find, you know, New York socialites ingratiate herself with them and then basically just get them to pay for things for her. Right. She'd go out to dinner. um, Oh, and throughout all of this important note, she claimed that she was a German heiress and that she had a $60 million trust fund that was stuck in Germany. So she would go out to dinner. She would, you know, rack up these huge bills with her friends and then claim that, you know, oh, my money's locked up. You know, my car's not working for some reason. Can you cover it? She do this, you know, thousands of dollars at a time. And with her bigger plan for the uh, this foundation, 
what she eventually wound up doing was becoming dangerously close to getting a $22 million loan from say national bank or sorry she was denied by say national bank she came dangerously close to getting it from uh fortress which is another lending company and even got a hundred thousand dollars out of say national on a temporary grant to pay for fees to get the loan from fortress and it really only fell through just because there were like weirdness she had like made her financial documents in microsoft word and there was just weirdness <laughs> in there in fortress which is like you know what no we're not we're eventually not going to do this but Overall, in terms of what she um, managed to get out of banks and socialites and, and people, you know, all this, she is able to con her way into roughly $275,000 of um, experiences, plane, plane tickets, uh, hotel rooms, straight cash, in some cases from banks, through various means. And really, if you think about it, her story is very similar to Cinderella's. She is a working class girl who figured out a way to make herself look like she is in the upper class, so much to the point that people started believing her. And I think that Cinderella, if she was not quite as nice of a girl, could do the exact same thing, except that instead of just having Microsoft Word, she would have literal fairy godmother magic. That's pretty good. Is there, is there, is there, any, is there any limitations on what the fairy godmother is allowed to help with? Yeah, I don't really know the rules behind the magic. I mean, I kind of looked into them. There didn't seem to be any. Like, her goal was just to go to a ball. It's also an old enough movie where they probably didn't really worry about that setting, like, limitations. Which is to our benefit. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, as I see it, Cinderella could run the exact same con that Anna Sorokin did. Except that with the power of fairy godmother magic, she suddenly has all the things that she needs to prove that she is who she says she is. She doesn't have to just build people out of things. She can temporarily get them herself to make the con even more effective and actually get these millions of dollar loan and establish whatever the hell she wants to establish. Or like or like even th- think about even bigger, Ben, like if she like got into to the right circles, she could like trick herself into a royal family and marry a prince. That is it's just so crazy. So crazy. It just might work. You somehow, somehow went mellower than the plot of the movie. So the stuff in the movie disappears at midnight, right? Is that just something that the fairy godmother decided to do just because? As far as I can tell, yes. Okay. So that's this is what I can't I couldn't figure out if that was like a limitation of fairy godmother magic or if that was just what happened. I don't know. That was just like her curfew. Just for pizzazz, yeah. Yeah. I mean she knew that it was gonna happen at midnight, like she was warned. Exactly. But I think that that because I think that you can work around that, right? You can get new stuff the next morning. Plus, once you're like getting some, plus you're, once you're getting like cash as a result, I'm sure you can cut the fairy godmother, and I'm sure even a fairy godmother has some use for cash. Ex- exactly, you know. I'll cut you. In, I'll cut you in twelve percent, fairy godmother. But yeah. I need, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need some bank statements again. <laughs> oh well, they go away at midnight. Well, you know what? Copy paste. The problem the fairy godmother has is their credit card disappears every night at midnight. So it's kind of uh, she could use a little, a little more liquidity. <laughs> or a little less liquidity? <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe it's a little too liquid, honestly. But yeah, so I think Cinderella, just between the fairy godmother powers and just being such a, a sweet, trusty, you know, trustworthy girl, I think that she is the perfect con artist. Uh, and she could she could build people for millions easily. Chris, what did you do? So the princess that I chose was Mulan. I guess her full name is Fa Mulan. But she's from the movies Mulan and Mulan 2. 
yes, they made a Mulan 2. I actually watched the second Mulan for research. It's a direct-to-video movie, and it was very bad. I've, I've, I've actually, I've seen it as well. It is not good. I didn't watch it for research. I forget why I watched it, but <laughs> it, it was theoretically for enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. It has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes based on five reviews. I also got pretty much no in- useful information from it, so I do regret watching it. But anyway, so Mulan actually isn't technically a princess in the story, but she is considered an official canon Disney princess. She's the eighth one. So we're counting her. And she doesn't have magic or anything, but she obviously has like fighting skills. She was in the army. Uh, She fought off the Huns, all that stuff. So she can handle herself. But that's not really what I want to focus on. What I want to focus on is her tendency to break the rules. So she's not really morally opposed to cheating for personal gain. Uh, this is demonstrated in the beginning of the movie where she she cheats on her exam using notes for the matchmaker. She like writes notes on her wrist and tries to cheat. And technically, the whole the entire plot of the movie is based on her being a criminal. She breaks the law by pretending to be a male soldier in the army. She assumes the false identity of Ping instead of Mulan and the punishment for this crime in the movie they explain it is death, but they end up sparing her because she saved the life of the captain. So she has a tendency towards lying, deception, and I also want to use these skills to con people. <laughs> we have two con artists here. <laughs> Imagine she cons her way all the way to a high-ranking general <laughs> to the and royal the captain. <laughs> yeah. So she's not alone in her con artist ways. She has partners in crime. The first one is Mushu. Mushu is a dragon that's voiced by Eddie Murphy. And on several occasions, Mushu actually pretends to be like different vengeful spirits. So like in the beginning of the movie, he's assigned to awake the Great Stone Dragon. He accidentally breaks the Great Stone Dragon instead. And what he does is he he impersonates the Great Stone Dragon and try, like lies about it. And he gets away with it. Like the his superior actually believes that he was the great stone dragon talking. And then in Mulan two, this is the one useful piece of information I got from it is Mushu. At the very end of the movie, Mushu pretends to be the golden dragon of unity, and him doing this somehow solves every conflict in the movie magically. I don't know why, but yeah, it did. And demonstrated through these two things, he is a very good showman. Like, he has good showmanship. Even demonstrated when he, like, first introduces himself to Mulan. He, like, makes it, like, a big fiery entrance with him having, like, a big shadow. And, like, he's big and bombastic. So it just demonstrates his showmanship, which is a good quality and a con artist. So that's our first partner in crime. The second partner in crime is Cricky, the lucky cricket. And even Cricky commits fraud in the movie. Because near the end of the movie, he reveals that he is not actually lucky, but everyone believes that he is lucky. So, con artist. (laughs) 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 And then she also has a bunch of students under her. I guess not technically students in the story, but Shang Li, who is the captain, Yao, Ling, and Qian Po. Those are like three other soldiers. They all, at the very end of the movie, they all learn from Mulan how to commit fraud because they uh, they all dress up as concubines and try to sneak into the emperor's palace. So she she's a good teacher in her con artist ways. 
So Mulan, expert in fraud and identity theft, and all this started to remind me of the movie Catch Me If You Can, very good movie, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, and it follows the life of Frank Abagnale, who is known for many instances of fraud, forgery, falsifying documents. Throughout his life, he pretends to be many different uh, occupations, so he pretends to be a U.S. customs official, a pilot, a doctor, an assistant state attorney general, a sociology professor, and on his resume, he falsifies his, his resume to say that he has experience in the LAPD and it's in Scotland Yard. So lots of different identities. And he's eluded the FBI on many occasions. So he actually described one instance where he, uh, I think this was actually in the movie too, where he, um, like the, he was on an airplane that was about to take off, but the FBI came and stopped the plane from taking off and he was trapped in the, in the bathroom. So he squeezed through the toilet to escape. <laughs> what? Wait, uh, when you say squeeze through the, what, what part of the, the toilet? Because I guess there is like a compartment that you can like shift over. I don't know exactly, but like they were describing some sort of compartment. All I can assume is that he like shifted it and went through the hole in the floor. Yeah. he. It said that he ended up like outside when he did that or something. I don't know. Maybe it's like a bigger hatch that maybe it's like a bigger opening than we think that just goes out. My guess is that he went through the hole beneath it that like the pipes go through. That makes the most, the only, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't comprehend anything else. So I'm going to pretend it's that. Yeah. I mean, I remember the scene in the movie, but I don't remember exactly like how it went. I'm sure if I rewatched it, then it would make more sense, but I did not watch it. So, so he's, he's like a very famous criminal. But how did he actually make money? Because uh, that is our goal. We're trying to make money. So he actually forged, he mainly forged paychecks for all of his like fake occupations. Like he was very good at faking documents and he faked like a lot of Pan Am pilot paychecks. And Mulan herself doesn't really demonstrate any like instances of forging documents or anything. But Cricky does. So in the movie, Mushu and Cricky, they both forge a document from the general to convince the army or their their unit. I don't know what they call it. I'm just going to call them the unit to move to the front lines because they want to get into the action. And Cricky uses his feet. He like dips his feet in ink and then like types it up on paper and it convinces them they, they go to the front lines. So and they actually in order to deliver the document, they like dress up this dummy thing it's like a dummy made out of hay or something. And Mushu is speaking for the dummy. And then Cricky is like making the mouth move. And that's how they fool them. So that's just like another mini instance of them conning someone. But they can forge things, which means that they can forge bad paychecks. And Frank Abagnale, during his, I think it was like a 10-year crime spree or something, he claims to have cashed $2.5 million in bad checks. And he logged in 2 million air miles as a pilot. And he claims that he, he's been wanted in 12 different countries. So after his crime spree, he actually became a consultant for the FBI. He works as a consultant. And he also makes money as like a public speaker in seminars. And he teaches against, he teaches protection against like financial fraud now. But I wanted to look up like how much he's actually worth now. So his net worth now there are a few different estimates, but um, according to Celebrity Net Worth, 
they estimate that he is, his net worth is about $10 million. According to what's their net worth, he, they say $12 million. And according to Artslope, they say $17.5 million. So somewhere in that range is what his net worth is. So Mulan can kind of just like follow the footsteps of Frank, Frank Abagnale. Um, she has the skills to do it. And she can be just as successful as, as him, if not more so. And his claims have been sort of like brought into question whether they are true or not, because he does tend to lie a lot. Surprising. <laughs> yeah, here's a bit of a con artist. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a con artist. So you can't really take his words uh, at face value. But um, regardless of the authenticity of his claims, they did make a movie of his life. And that movie grossed $352.1 million in the global box office. And I couldn't find any numbers for how much money of that he actually got. But I'm sure he got some pretty good royalties from that. Um, also, just like selling the rights to the studio for the story. So who knows? Maybe Mulan, maybe they'll make a movie about Mulan's life where she fooled a bunch of people into going into the army. And then maybe that movie grosses $304.3 million globally. And maybe she'll get some royalties from that. Do people that are like the bad guys in their in the real life movie about their tale get royalties? <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, this is a whole movie about how you became the worst criminal and got arrested. Like, do they get do they get money <laughs> for their life well, story? He wrote, he wrote a book about it, and then they adapted the book. Yeah, no, I mean for for his case, he's also comes out the other side as like the oh, I'm not a criminal anymore, haha. Right. So he's a little bit more unclear. But I wonder if like yeah, it's just like about someone's terrible crime spree, like. They can't possibly get money for that, right? <laughs> I will say that Anna Sorokin got $320,000 from Netflix for the rights to her story. How did she, what, like, what is she doing right now? Is she? Uh, she's waiting to be deported. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. But yeah, that's Mulan. That's her crime spree. That's what I'm going to do with her. Marcus, who do you cover? I did uh, Elsa from Frozen. Uh, now, if you're already yelling obscenities into the void, let it go. I know oh. that you know. <laughs> yeah, let it go first off. And I know that you know that technically, lots of air quotes, Elsa is not an official Disney princess. And I was like, well, that seems pretty stupid. So why not? And I was with some Googling. There's lots and lots of opinions about there about why it's not actually the case. And it came down to kind of three. Uh, the first claim that people make is she's a queen. So she's not a Disney princess. She's a Disney queen. So she doesn't fit in the Disney princess family. But Mulan's not a princess, so. Yeah, it's not actually disqualifying. One... Mulan is not even of royal lineage and she's a Disney princess. And two, many of these princesses are queens at the end of their movies after they hook up with the prince or whatever. So that can't really be it. The second one is she doesn't have an animal companion, which seems to be a kind of all the other animal, all the other Disney princesses have a sort of animal companion, um, which is kind of like a semi-official rule. But I would say Olaf kind of semi-counts if you're really going down that. Like every, all these Disney movies have mascots. That's why all the princesses have an animal companion is because every movie gets a wacky mascot so i didn't really think it was that either and then the more informed articles i was reading gave what i imagine is the real answer is that frozen is so big as a brand that putting elsa under the disney princess branding pulls her down more than brings her up <laughs> she's too successful of a princess to even count as one anymore she's in a category all on her own Plus, she's in the Disney Princess Lounge in Ralph Breaks the Internet. So, you know, I'm counting her. Does Belle have an animal sidekick? I can't think of one. She, she, there's a horse, but it's not like a sidekick. It's just kind of a horse. Mm. Does the beast count as an animal sidekick? <laughs> 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 but anyway, uh, back to Elsa. For those less familiar with Elsa, 
Elsa is basically a princess who has magical ice powers. She can create snow and ice in all sorts of shapes and sizes, including, you know, she's able to create herself a giant, huge ice palace and also be able to create, like, animated snow minions and blast bolts of ice all around. Really just anything that is snow ice related, she can just generate. Pretty handy abilities. Um, but what do you do with it? Some of the things I considered but decided not to go with. She would be definitely powerful enough to just raise an army of snow minions and, like, take over a country or something, or, like, start a war, or, like, do a whole bunch of murders for hire. Oh, so war crimes is what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so th- she could very much, like, just use her ability to murder masses of people to her advantage if she wanted to. But I'm not going to do that, because I, I don't think that's really in her personality either. What I ended up going with is insurance fraud. So... Insurance fraud is actually a pretty big problem, like, more than I thought in the country. The fraud to claim ratio for insurance companies is about 10% in the U.S., which means, like, 1 in 10 claims that insurance get a company gets is fraudulent, which seems pretty damn high to me. Wow, yeah. And so there's a kind of, there's a bunch of different types. Actually, the, the most common one is automobile-related. Generally, the, what, they, what they count as the biggest category of fraud is people who just fake having auto insurance. And then, like, pretend that their bad, like, their fake paperwork is good. But then there's, like, more typical things you think where people, like, torch their own cars or fake accidents. Apparently, it's a pretty big problem down in Florida because there's a, there's a law that states, like, in any accident, regardless of who's at fault, they have to cover a certain amount of medical expenses. And I think it's, like, up to, it's up to, like, $10,000 $10, or something. And so people will just, like, fake getting injured, put in the claim, get the 10000 and then they don't have any actual injuries, so they just pocket it. But... I'm not going to say that Elsa should go commit a bunch of arsons, but that's only just because one of the bigger things that you can claim insurance on is, like, your house. And fire is not the only way you can damage a house. Another way you can damage your house is water damage. And one of the most common ways that water damage happens in a house is you either have a plumbing or sprinkler pipe that freezes and bursts. And wow, how could that possibly happen when Elsa's staying there? I'm going to say right off, I'm going to say this is a good system because... It's going to be nigh impossible to show that it's her who's the cause. I think you have to do have to go through uh, and conspire with other people so that she's not just destroying her own house over and over again. That might end up casting some suspicion. <laughs> if like, wow, the pipes in my... I'm the only person with magical ice powers and my pipes keep freezing for no reason. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't she like publicly known as this, like the Snow Queen? Yeah, exactly. So she's going to be... She's definitely going to be doing it, conspiring with others because if someone else's pipe breaks who's gonna believe that the the queen of irondale was went to your house to break your pipes nobody <laughs> that's, that's the least likely <laughs> thing besides just the pipes breaking like normal and there wouldn't be any signs of like any external you know typical ways people would try to do it this would be like you know this is a magical cause but you would never assume the person who has the magic would be doing any of this but i do kind of want to see like what happens like when a whole bunch of insurance claims start coming back to back, you know, like at what, at what rate could you kind of reasonably expect to get away with, uh, with this before you get caught or anything. So I started looking at arsons as a comparison point. So the most prolific arsonist I could find, uh, is aptly named Thomas Sweat <laughs> with two T's. It's Sweat with two T's. So maybe it's pronounced a little different, but I'm calling him Thomas Sweat. It's because like that's destiny. That's... <laughs> yeah. Destiny. This guy, committed 350 arsons over 30 years before he eventually was caught. And this guy was not exactly a rocket scientist. He basically just had the same procedure, which was he'd fill a milk jug with gasoline, use like clothing or cloth as a wick, and then just throw it at someone's house. Or 
into cop cars on occasion <laughs> was kind of his M.O. And, like, the, his story was that he was just, like, went to a bar and, like, found this guy attractive and was like, ooh, I'm going to follow him home. And then instead of, like, stalking him like a normal stalker, just, like, lit his house on fire. <laughs> and then uh, just kind of kept going with that. But, again, not a rocket scientist. Also, he stayed fairly local. Like, he didn't travel very far for these. And he wasn't in some, you know, middle of nowhere. He's in Washington, D.C. And it's 350 arsons. And it took him 30 years to catch the guy. And the only, the only reason they ended up catching him is because, like, murders happened. You know, people were starting to die in the fires. In which case, you know, actual full forensics teams come in and, like, match up his DNA and whatnot. So... If he can just throw milk jugs of gasoline in places and not get caught for 30 years in Washington, D.C., one of the more heavily police states to my, you know, police locations to my knowledge, I think it's fair to say you could probably keep up a fairly, <laughs> fairly similar rate with your magical powers. There is one other thing, though, is that if you're, if you're looking at making money on this, on this scheme, the thing about insurance is that the idea is it pays for the stuff that you lost. If your house is crummy, you get a low payout. Uh, if you're buying a bunch of expensive things that you then damage and then claim you've lost, well, you just paid for them. You're kind of just breaking even-ish. So the other thing that Elsa's powers come handy for is with generating value for you know your eventual claim. You got you can bring in an insurance adjuster and get the get your get your get the house evaluated for the value or have photos or evidence that hey I had these things of value and what are those things? Thing is, it's gonna be it's gonna be fake because she can make things out of ice. Her giant ice palace that she created, while beautiful and intricate, she has the talent and the ability to make whatever shape she wants. She really didn't make herself any furniture, a lot of big empty rooms, um, and everything was very clearly just made out of ice. But it wouldn't be very difficult to take, like, a house shape or a snow shape that's very detailed and defined and make it look like the thing it's supposed to be, like a... You know, if you made, like, a couch, you could just put some fabric over it. Or if you made, like, like a staircase or something, you could like, just, like, paint it or carpet it. Like, you can just put on the, the fake finishing touches on top of all these things. And you can very easily make a lot of expensive pieces of furniture. You just need the rough shape. Yeah, you just need the rough shape. And then you just put the last layer and, you know, whether it's, again, paint, fabric, whatever the heck you want to put on there. You, you, you work it out. You, you play around with it until you find the things that are the best. I mean, heck, you could make, like, a marble statue you know, shape and then cover it with, you know, gray paint and be like, this is my stone statue that was uh, very expensive that is now lost. But probably one of the better ones for like cost versus like space and ease and all that is she also makes her own clothes. Like she makes the, the, the classic blue dress that she wears and all the all the things. She made that. She just like, she just magically made herself that ice dress. And dresses are expensive as heck. Wait, so are those dresses made of ice or are they cloth? So basically she, she's wearing, so the way it works is she's wearing the dress, then she like, you know, she moves her hand, her dress transforms into her dress, but then she also adds on like a whole flowing cape onto it that was not there before, like extra new material added to it. And it's all, it looks like fabric. It might be, might be icy shape fabric, but I mean, to the eye, it looks like clothes. They never show anyone else wearing the clothes. No, uh, and I don't think they really show, I don't think you ever see her take it off and like put it in the closet or anything. But <laughs> again, nobody has to. You just have to fill up the closet with these expensive dresses and then be like, oh man, they got destroyed in the flood. I did look up to see like what her dress would be. Like if she's making these fancy dresses, what would each dress cost be? And the range I found is 
anywhere from $30 for a cheap costume version to $6,000 for a copy of that dress. So hers are going to look pretty good, close to the real thing. So they're going to be closer to that 6K number per dress than the other one. Of like the real life version of what she wears in the movie? Yeah, like a cosplay version of, of her dress. So it's a pretty simple plan, like, you know, and what you can do is you can spread it out too. Like you can go, I imagine as a, as a diplomat queen, she's going to be traveling around a bunch. So, you know, you just go and you just hit a few places each city you go to, you know, there's just three unrelated flood claims on, you know, two or three different insurance companies. The pieces never get put together. It takes you, besides setting it up and doing like the little, you know, finding people to do it with no time at all. She just magically does it from, well, from wherever. I'm not sure how close she has to be even. And uh, yeah, there you go. She's just insur- just insurance fraud it up. You could expand. You could branch out a little bit. Like there's some smaller game. Like like I was talking about the stage automobile accidents. You could like you know icy roads and all that. You can make some of those. You could do like some personal injury stuff at businesses. Like oh, I slipped on this ice patch outside your building. It's like uh, it's not even icy out there. Uh, well, there's an ice patch clearly right there that I just tripped on. <laughs> you're, you're turning her into um. Oh, uh, what was what was um. I better call Saul. What was his uh, slipping Jimmy? Oh yeah, slipping Jimmy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> slipping Elsa going around, <laughs> slipping Ellie. But yeah, that's that. That's more. That'd be more small time stuff. I mean, if you, if you're working on buildings, I mean, each of, the, each of these claims can be in the in the six figures. I actually remember actually when I I was one of my previous jobs, I was reviewing like insurance claims, and it was like people would have like the pre the the pre pictures would be like this janky kitchen, and then they would like replace it, and like the kitchen is like. Marble countertops, double ovens, like Italian design cabinets. And it's like, uh, you upgraded, but the insurance still paid out on it. So even if you don't make fake furniture, you can still make a buck or two. But we do not encourage insurance fraud. <laughs> yeah, this, this podcast is not uh, encouraging insurance fraud because 10% of claims are fraudulent. They have lots and lots of systems and very big departments to catch people making fraudulent claims. And people will check on your stuff and people will review things and they will, they're onto the tricks. So they're not onto literal magic, but you, a listener, a person with human abilities and not too many superhuman abilities, we don't recommend it. You're going to get caught and it's not going to work out in your favor. So that's the official podcast advice is don't commit insurance fraud or confidence tricking or, well, con artist thing again. (laughs) and definitely don't do any of the murders that we didn't even cover here (laughs) so so now we gotta think about which one is best any any gut gut feelings to start with which one is best i will say that a point against cinderella is that she does have a history of leaving clues behind (laughs) (laughs) which is maybe not ideal but (laughs) i think you can work around it (laughs) <laughs> always leaves one shoe at the crime scene yeah so i don't really have any gut opinions i think ben and i are pretty similar in terms of like our methods i will say that that the one advantage that the cinderella slash anasaurican plan has is that technically you can just go legit at some point if you get like a big loan and actually start a business and that just becomes a profitable business you can just suddenly be a business owner and no one's gonna care where your money came from <laughs> So do you know how much money she got? Like, you said that they turned down a few loans. The the loan that she almost got was $22 million. Okay. And I think she successfully got, she got 100000 out as like an advance, basically, from a, a, a bank that had turned her down for the bigger bigger loan. Well, so I guess if we're going to start this conversation, we we 
kind of uh, picked out like a few, what would you call them, criteria for like who would be judging. most successful. Yeah. yeah, judging. Do we want to just go? Because that might be easier way to like discuss it. Let's do that. Yeah, it'll it'll put up put up some some flaws and some strengths. Yeah. So the first one is who's expected to to get the most money? How like which crime spree would would be the most profitable? So you guys again are kind of be kind of fairly similar. It seems like twenty like. 20 million is do we want do we want to use that as a rough yeah, estimate of like that. a you, you kind of do it you're in you get the 20 million and then you're out the the insurance fraud one's definitely a bit slower like i feel like each case like on a good one you know maybe you make say 50 say 50k if you're doing like household type stuff you know i'm sure she'll have powerful friends with more expensive things but you know actually Probably in that case, probably a hundred. Again, if you're making a little bit of furniture, you're making some expensive dresses and things. If you if you profit out a hundred k and you do one like every other month, if you're if you're mixing it in with a with the queen schedule, <laughs> she doesn't seem very busy in the movies. But let's pretend she's got shit going on. <laughs> so they, so they get to twenty million dollar then at a hundred k each. You're looking at two hundred, right? Yeah, two hundred months. So probably like yeah, like be like ten fifteen years down the line. Six hundred k six hundred k a year. And then 10 years is 6 million. Yeah. So, so 20 years is 12, 30 years is 18. So it's some time. It's just a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Mulan's is also kind of long-term. I mean, I guess the main way she would make money is through the paycheck. So it would have to be like a reasonable paycheck amount. But I think over the course of like 10 years, Frank Abagnale made, uh, did I say 2.5 million in bad checks? Yeah. 2.5 million. So it sounds like that's the lowest. Yeah, that's definitely definitely a lot less payout for the for the work. So then we had odds of success. So we we've laid out this plan and how it's going to go. What are the odds that it actually works? So Mulan is the only one that doesn't have magic on her side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's <that> <laughs> a little bit of a dampener. Yeah, um, but she did successfully fool an entire army. True. I feel like the I feel like the confidence trickster game just always has an inherent risk to it, where it's just you know if you're living a lie, there's always a chance that something comes up and you get caught. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to see where the insurance. I'm trying to see where where Elsa's falls apart. I mean, obviously, just the the insurance claims get found out. Right. Like like the tough thing is at a certain point, like if she is in some way connected to, I guess there's there's a lot of like burst pipe situations that happen. They're not going to see like a pattern of oh they happen to know Elsa. Yeah, like like it would be like, oh wow, yeah, Elsa was traveling to these four cities, and these four cities had uh, pipe breaks on these days, and it's like, oh wow, I found a pipe break in your city every time you visit. It's like, well, what about the next day? Well, yeah, there was one there too. Right. You know, it's like <laughs> if you're doing one every couple months, it's not going to be that's that's going to be a blip. It's not going to matter. I guess the question is, at some point, does someone? I think the biggest risk to Elsa is someone rolling over on her, right? Yeah, the conspir the 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 conspirators. Yep. You know, at a certain point, like this is this is a conspiracy, and eventually someone probably talks or lets something slip or something, right? Like, yeah, yours involves like cooperating with a ton of other people. Yeah, yeah, and plus, like, like there's also what opens up is also the money trail because you'll have to collect on from the payout from the insurance. So they'll need to be, yeah. She will get caught on the follow. The money would be the way to There's get. There's gonna Elsa. be some tax. And she problems. doesn't. She doesn't get all of the money either, right? She splits it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so probably probably higher risk in the insurance fraud plan. 
Yeah, I think Fallen, yeah, Fallen the Money I hadn't really considered much until now, but that, that does maybe a little bit less. I think our odds are still pretty good. So yeah, we had, we had odds of success separate from odds of getting caught. We kind of just talked about both of them. I think those are kind of the same thing. Those are basically, we, as we were coming into this, we were like, oh yeah, that's totally different. They're exactly the same, it turns out. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's more like, well, I'll say this. There'll be a payout for Elsa no matter what. There's a chance that the conf, you know, you get, both of you get dumped or uh, never make it far enough in your confidence game to get anything. Yeah, that's a good point. So I guess I don't really have too much like chance of, you know, literal failure, but I do always have a chance of getting caught. You're, you're high, high, high floor, low ceiling, but also your floor is also getting caught. So that's kind of also a low floor. Who knows? Anyway. Sustainability. Ben, yours was like more short, short term, right? It's it's short. It's basically term, just getting a loan, and then technically, like also, you get a loan, Ben. Do you pay? Like, how does that work? Do you just run away with the money? Well, the actual Anna Sorokin's plan was to legitimately, well, at least what she says was to set up this like members club, right? In which point, assuming that becomes a sustainable business, she pays back the loan through the proceeds of that, and then she's just clean, right? So her plan was still to pay back the loan. It wasn't yes. just to run. Right. Exactly. It was to establish herself using false pretenses, but then just live her established life. So technically, assuming you can make a successful business, it is eventually just you get out and you're free. What kind of business do you think Cinderella would make? What kind of business would Cinderella make? She's going to start the the, the glass slippers trend. There you go. Yeah, (laughs) it's fashion. It's clearly fashion. (laughs) Fashion is also a very good confidence trickster business. It really it's, is. It's all about it's all about it's all BS clout yeah. and uh, reputation. Anyway, I like that you, you describe it as clout and reputation. And I say it's BS. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know which one of us would be the better confidence trickster. <laughs> and then both Mulan and Elsa are on more of a time scale of like decades, right? And like every time you do it, it becomes more likely you get caught. Yeah, I think that's going to be a less. Yeah, I guess it's fine. Yeah, that's true. And I like and I like this. La- so we have one last criteria. I, I I like this one too. Is is does it fit the princess's personality? Would this princess go on this crime spree? I think Elsa fits it the least. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I I, I did give it some thought. Elsa is tricky with any crime spree just because Elsa is very very by the book. Like you know, she is she's responsibility is big for her. The one thing I like about the insurance claim thing, though, is I think she could get herself into it because she has that rebellious side and definitely like sticking it to the big insurance companies would be something that like she could be into. I don't think she was a rebellious one, though, it, wasn't it? Wasn't Anna was the more rebellious one? Anna's definitely the more rebellious one. So but she she shares a bit of that, like, the you know, all the pressures put on her for responsibility are external. So she can like fight back against those. Again, Anna would be more inclined to it. It might even be a. Anna f- finds out about it, and she's like, oh, hell yeah, you got to keep doing this. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> team up. Screw those guys. So I think Elsa is very unlikely to commit crimes, period. If she was going to commit a crime, I think this is a fitting one for her. I think um, Cinderella and Mulan, they both fit pretty well. I think Mulan fits a little more because she actually did commit this crime. Cinderella, yeah, Cinderella, like, I feel like she didn't try to commit identity fraud, right, what yeah. she it's, was doing or thing. She, she she just did wanted thing, to go to the ball. Yeah, she did a thing for relatively innocent reasons, but it's it's definitely less that like she did do, she did technically pretend to be someone else. So it's still a jump, but less of one than for Elsa. Yeah, but Mulan was like 
her Mulan goal was to yeah. do this. <laughs> exactly. For honorable reasons, but yeah, yeah, she did. <laughs> she did knowingly commit a crime. Okay. So are we deciding which one is the best one? How do we want to weight these things? I, I think we'll just each pick one. If we have a if we have a two to one vote, then we can say that's the that's the winner of the episode. If we all pick a set a, a different one, oh, aren't we gonna do just... like a like a point system, like one two three three two one? We talk about that on point. Yeah, uh, uh, oh, ranked voting. Yeah. Um, why don't we start? Why don't we start with why don't we start with each of ours top picks? And if we want to if we want to get more technical, we can we leave ourselves the option. Okay. And are we allowed to pick our own? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm. Do I want to pick my own? <laughs> well, who's gone first? Well, just, everyone has picked one. I have picked um, one. Yeah, I picked one. I'll start. I like mine the best. I, I think I think Elsa like has the most flexibility in what she does. I think she's, besides the money trail, I feel like she could still kind of get away with it. And I like her plan as being kind of just very easy to do and just like... You can do it and still have an entire life after it. So I, I like her crime spree. And if you want to get more money, you can just do it more often. Ben? I'm going to go with Mulan. I feel like Mulan and Cinderella have similar. I feel like the money trail thing makes me very nervous with Elsa. So I kind of ruled that one out pretty quickly. I think they're going to get her like they got Capone, right? They're going to get her on the tax stuff and then it's all going to come crumbling down. The con stuff is similar. Cinderella is higher reward. But I feel like, particularly as I mentioned with her history of leaving behind evidence, I'm just a little bit worried about that. I feel like Mulan is going to be a little more reliable. So I was actually going to pick Cinderella because <laughs> <laughs> because it is a higher reward for one. Also, even though it's like sort of out of her personality, like she kind of accidentally did it. She didn't mean to. The fact that that's true kind of gives her like, plausible deniability in a way where she's like i didn't really mean to do that oh no it's happened again it's just <laughs> another big misunderstanding <laughs> and then she does have the magic part to it so it, like it's a little safety net yeah she does tend to leave back uh leave behind an evidence the magic should help <laughs> well now what do we do <laughs> well i'm the ho- i'm the host and so my vote counts the most so elsa wins and then uh we can move on to our would you rather well, let's do a- <laughs> So it, it stays undecided. It's, uh, we all made our cases. Um, if you would like to let us know who you think won, who had the best crime spree, comment on the on the. If you're on YouTube, comment below on the video. If you're not on YouTube, send us an email absurdhypotheticals at gmail dot com. And then let us know. But we do have to move on to the rest of the episode, though. So. Oh right, I was wondering why you made that uh, call to action so blunt. I was like, oh, because it's not the end of the episode yet. <laughs> right? No, not yet. <laughs> There's more to there's more more to come. <laughs> I do like that Marcus is like, let's move on. And Chris is like, no, we need justice. Marcus, are you ready for a would you rather? Yes, I am. Would you rather have an extra eye or an extra arm? And I'm gonna say the extra eye is like on the back of your head. Oh. And the extra arm is Um On the back of your head. <laughs> anywhere, I guess. I don't really know. I don't think the placement of the arm makes as much of a difference. It can make some difference. I feel like it has to be looking forwards. I guess or facing like on forwards. your stomach or chest. I guess on your chest. Your third arm is on your chest. So it's like in line with the others, but just in the middle of your body. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, hmm. So first, my first thought is I used to have a bit longer hair and 
it drove me fracking bananas when it would go over my eyes. And I imagine that's going to be a perpetual problem if the eye is in the back of my head, unless I like... You're, you're going to have to shave, shave myself. Yeah. You have to shave the head or like... Oh, what you could do, what you could do is you could get, you could just get a special hat that it's like a baseball cap, but you just have like where it's open, you just put like a little bit of like of a mesh so people can't see your weird third eye, but you can still look out. That way you get the benefit of your third eye and then it's still hidden. You get a freaking like two way or like one way mirror on the back of your hat. <laughs> well, they have like Halloween masks like that where it looks like you can't look out, but you can. Yeah. It, it, it just has to be like a little black mesh or something. Yeah. I mean, the eye is definitely easier to hide. If you don't want to use it. Is it just grosser though? I'm worried about being gross is what I'm worried about. I'm worried about being a gross person because I have an extra thing. I mean, both of them are useful and both of them are gross. <laughs> yeah, I know you're going to be, I know you're going to be focused on the practicalities of a Chris. <laughs> but for me, I'm worried about the social of it where am I going to be able to make more friends and have longer term relationships with three arms or with three eyes? And I think it's the, I think it has to be the extra arm because it would be too weird. For me, it's too weird for the person to have the extra eye. Once I know them, I know it's there. And even though it's hidden, it's gross. It's grosser to me. I don't like it. See, to me, both of them are kind of similar in their level of weirdness. They're not like, I don't think one stands out over the other. I would say the extra arm stands out over the extra eye. As weirder? As weirder, yeah. Like, so it's you just think the opposite, more... Marcus? It's more noticeable, definitely. Yeah. I think it's weirder. But like, if you know that the person has that, like, 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 I guess the problem is having a third arm drastically changes with what you're capable of, aside from just seeing more, right? Right. Yeah, it makes you much more capable. Yeah. Does it? Like, I can't imagine something I can only do with three hands that I can't do with two. Besides, hold three different things instead of two different you can, things. You can type with two hands while also using a mouse. I can finally chat while playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> you're saying you've never run out of hands when you're trying to do things? No, not that I haven't run out of hands, but like, how many times is it going to make a real difference in my life to have that third hand? Think about how much easier it would be to juggle. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because is it only juggling if you have more balls than hands? It would make juggling incredibly difficult. <laughs> okay, fair. Maybe. You could juggle three balls a lot easier, but yeah, no, if you... I feel like adding the fourth ball is going to be a lot harder all of a sudden. I was going to say you could be a great boxer, but I don't think you could actually generate much power with the arm in the middle of your chest. Do you have to? It's just point-based, right? <laughs> well, I mean, at a certain point, no. I don't know. I also don't know, would it be a right arm or a left arm? Or like, I guess, like... Well, I think you'd still only... You would still only have one dominant hand. Well, what side would the thumb be on, I, I guess? Oh. I'm imagining it, I'm imagining it like under my right arm as an additional arm. Yeah, I guess that's also a way to interpret oh, it. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. I guess we could modify it to be four arms or four eyes and have two sets of eyes on the back. That's probably easier for the eyes, too, because we have binocular vision. It's easier on the eyes? Because <laughs> <laughs> then you have full functionality for both pairs. So I was going to say something about needing to get you know a bunch of custom-made clothes, but I'd also go through contacts twice as fast. So there's going to be a financial component on either one of these. You would also probably just learn how to sew a sleeve on and then just do it yourself for most clothes. I don't think you would order a custom shirt every time. I mean, like take it to a tailor and dump another sleeve on there. They could do that. Oh, yeah. But I mean, eventually, like a t-shirt, I think you would do yourself. A sweater, you would bring to a tailor. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Like, yeah, I guess I feel like the eyes don't actually do anything for you. It's just that having the extra arm is, is really weird. <laughs> I mean, having extra eyes on the back of your head would be useful, I think, in some cases. It's just 
there are less situations where it's useful. There aren't that many cases, right? Um, I mean, I guess a lot of most things are designed to to be looked at. Yeah, like to look to be forward. in front of you. You'd be like really good at like paintball or like <laughs> any, like where you trying to yeah. observe all around you at For all like times. Sports. sports. Yeah, you'd be good at sports, but you'd also be good at sports with four arms. Right. Unless it's, it's like soccer. Wouldn't help much in like basketball, probably. It might. Would it? It's extra arms to block. I guess, yeah. You could you could clog up passing lanes really well. Yeah, I guess just general purpose extra arm feels better from a functionality perspective. For like an office job, the extra arms feels better. <laughs> that is definitely true, which is very funny. That is more useful <laughs> in an office job than like sports. <laughs> and then the eyes is better for sports. Yeah. So for most of us, the answer should probably be extra arms <laughs> and deal with the tailoring consequences. But then, uh, I mean, Marcus is concerned about the social aspect of it. Yeah, to me, to me, it's this. To me, it, all the practicalities and all that really don't matter. For me, it's like I could see myself dating someone who has four arms. I can't see myself dating someone that has two eyes in the back of their head. I will say that my, my reaction to hearing someone has four arms would be, that's cool. And hearing that someone has two eyes in the back of their head would be, that's weird. So yeah. instinctively, I'm in the same boat as you, I think. But I mean... It definitely is easier to hide it. It's just when you decide to tell them that you have four four eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I can't live that lie. And I think the problem, like, I don't want to be a guy who can pass in public, but then like, whenever he gets close to somebody, it's like, oh, but I have to tell you something. I have four <laughs> eyes. Like that's you're never getting past that stage with anybody. You want to be upfront. Yeah. I I feel like we can probably vote. Yep. I'm going for arms. It's just way more useful. Also going for I arms. I am also going for arms. I just can't deal. I just can't. The eyes are gross. Eyes are gross. We we have exactly enough of them and any other number is gross. <laughs> and it doubles the amount of vulnerable spots on your head. It does. Again, not worry about the practicalities of it. It's just gross. That's all it is. It's just gut reaction. Can't get over it. Do you know it, so. how many times I get eyelashes in my eyes? It's so annoying. Imagine all the hair that you have to deal with. <laughs> I saw I saw a meme. It was like when an eyelash gets in your eye, it's like you've destroyed the very thing you've sworn to protect. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you have four arms, that's great for you, listener, because it means you can leave us twice as many reviews at the same time with your two computers. I assume you have, and maybe you also have four eyes, and one's in front of you, and one's behind you, and you're just like double person and just rocking it. So, yeah. Leave us a review on the Google Play. Leave us a review on the Stitcher. Leave us a review on the iTunes. Leave, wherever, your pocket, wherever you're getting your podcasts, whatever thing is making our beautiful voices go into your ear holes, let us know that you like that bit. And give us a good review. Helps people find the show. Helps the show grow. Helps the show up on search results. It's all good things for getting the show to be successful. Other things that help the show be successful is your hard-earned dollars. We are effectively con artists because we are just saying words to you and expecting you to give us money. And if it's working, go to Patreon, www.patreon.com slash absurdhypotheticals and become a patron for just $1 a month. You get access to all our bonus content that we release each month for our patrons. And once you are in, you get access to all of it. Uh, There's some 50-odd something extra episodes in there. So if you run out of episodes, good place to look for things. Or if you want just a more casual, relaxed atmosphere, we tend to be a bit more off script, a lot more tangents, a lot more casual conversations a bit, a bit more of us just hanging out than having uh, a bunch of prep material so it's cool you can hear about how me and ben met for the first time in like 10 years or yep. 10 plus years 
Yeah, Ben and Chris finally met for the first time in person since before the start of the podcast, which is just insane. I like that both of us had one time in mind that we had met and neither of us were thinking at the same time or remembered the, the time the other person was talking about. Yeah. It may have been the first guys you got, maybe the first time you guys ever met. Yeah. Who knows? We couldn't <laughs> confirm. We have met, we have met zero to two times before. <laughs> but anyway, even though it won't be in person, we'll all be here next week when we answer the following question. It's going to be a couple questions because we're doing another grab bag where we do each do a question around a theme. And the theme of this grab bag is twice as nice. Mm-hmm.